force. We are dead. We are all dead. We're supposed to make the world a better place. What happened? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I know kung fu. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. This whole thing is insane. This whole thing is insane. 300 years ago, you'd have been burned at the stake. What do all men of power want? More power. This is now the United States of Zombieland. This whole thing is insane. Man is evil, capable of nothing but destruction. Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert. Of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? You're such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy hair season. Welcome to the desert of the real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it is. Yes, it just is. Especially with the latest AB Life, audio version for the In This Eternal Now in Red Pill Cafeteria. What would summer be without Bernie Taylor revealing the history behind history? The finest archaeology and mythology for heretics. Well, gird your loins. This time, he will provide new research that upends what we thought of ancient humans. This data is based on three recent peer-reviewed papers about rituals of relatives of humankind in South Africa, including burial and art. In short, it's a complete rewrite of human history. And more great news! By popular demand, Astronosis 2 Meet the Archons is now available to stream in both audio and video. Dive into the world of Gnostic and Hermetic thought. Experience the Archon replay with exclusive access to hours of captivating presentations and discussions. Immerse yourself in the magic of Astronosis 2 at the Theosophical Society. More than 12 hours of mind-blowing insights from renowned scholars and visionaries, covering everything from the historical origins of the Archons to psychological interpretations and rituals for individual liberation. Check out the show notes for access to a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Unlock a lifetime of knowledge and inspiration now. Other than that, let us to our latest AB Live with the amazing Bernie Taylor. Write your own gospel, live your own myth. Say goodbye to all of this. And hello to oblivion. And crawling... On the planet's face, some insects called the human race. 
lost in time and lost in space and meaning. Welcome, everybody, to AM Byte. Welcome to AB Live on this Mercury Day in this age of Hermes. Hope everybody's doing well. My name is Miguel Connor, and I am still your pompous of Gnosis. And yes, you know, the Gnostic way is that everything you thought was real ends up being, uh, well, a falsehood. And reality just keeps changing. That includes history, philosophy, science, and certainly the mind, our program mind. So this is certainly a theme of the show. But as always, it's uh, these breaking down of the veils are always backed by more science and more research. We're just not throwing woo-woo stuff here, although sometimes it's valid, like our dreams. I uh, wouldn't want to argue with Jung about the details of his dreams. So awesome. So as always, we are very excited to have the hardest working man on archaeology showbiz, and that is Bernie Taylor. Bernie, thank you for coming back. Miguel, thanks for having me on such, such short notice. And the Moondog, you're here. Wasn't expecting it. Awesome. Graham, it's great to meet you. We're going to do some big stuff today. We are going to Today, we are going to overturn everything we've ever thought about human history. Whoa, so the Nephilim are out? Oh, yeah, this <laughs> is a big are one. Out? Oh, my God, oh, this is a big one, even bigger than that. Well, let's do it. I'm excited. Yes, first, uh, Graham, thanks for joining us. I know this is also in your wheelhouse and your work on archaeology. Your alternative archaeology has been amazing. Good to see you here, Graham. Absolutely, it's my pleasure. It's a great pleasure to be Bernie, uh, meet Bernie, and I am here to have uh, him just blow my mind. It sounds like he's going to. Let's get it on. Let's get it on. Weekend at Bernie's, and uh, with us too. Glad to see the Moondog Vance able to make it. Vance, how are you doing? Not too bad. Um, I don't know too much about archaeology, but I do know a lot about arc. Theology, so <laughs> <laughs> well there you go that's good enough yes and i see a good audience already lining up good to see the mr coyotl eric uh, a few others there james how you doing paul uh as always if you have any questions please super chat them you can do it as low as a dollar yada yada but that way it gets separated now that uh, our software can separate these things and it's a lot easier for vance instead of sort of panning for gold for questions in the audience while he's also trying to read comments and also make sure that the chat doesn't turn into the chatico, the Witico of YouTube. So please, super chat. I'll have some housekeeping things later on, but I think we should just, uh, we should just get this party started. Well, Bernie, take us away. Blow, blow our minds. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to do something. So in audio land, um, we're going to make this a special show for you. You're going to, you're going to hear things you've never heard before. And in, in, um, and in podcast and, um, YouTube land, you're going to get a, you know, a little bit of a different show. Um, and this story really connects back to my story. And I'm going to ex explain it from my perspective about a month ago, it was actually June 4th or 5th, major media around the world told a story of Homo Naledi um, in a cave in South Africa, making art and burying the dead. And I have absolutely no, no 
idea about burying the dead. Funerary, rock, grave robbing, all that stuff is not in my bailiwick. But there's another engravings or making the art did. And they initially published it in, I'm not sure published the right word, but this is what it is. And I, by the way, these authors, I have nothing against them. Okay. I'm, um, it's all, it's all kosher. Okay. And they published in three, three papers in so-called pre-peer-reviewed journals, actually a journal called BioRxiv. Never heard of this concept before. And they had three papers. Two of them were about the, two of them covered the engravings and two of them covered the the um, bur- de- the funerary arrangements. And of course, there's overlap of, of the one. And mainstream academia just screamed, absolutely screamed, because they went public with these pre-peer-reviewed um, papers and um, t- the entire media. And the media didn't actually catch the difference between the two. And th- these are major players, Lee Berger, for, um, National Geographic fellow or something like that. Um, same thing with uh, August- Augustin Fuentes and um, John Hawks, the major play- paleoanthropology. So Lee Berger, John Hawks, Augustine Fuentes, BioRxiv, major players. The media didn't even blink. It is what it is. Well, what does peer review mean? But and well, according to the, that journal, it says in the process, the journal editors take advice from various experts called referees who have accessed the paper and may identify weaknesses in its assumptions, methods, and conclusions. So none of that was done, absolutely none. But they did say the authors that that was in a peer reviewed journal, and that came out today. And in that peer reviewed journal, the um, it was thumbs down by. All the reviewers, and so it didn't pass peer review in a peer review journal. And uh, so the there was um, so again today the, the mainstream media is like, what the heck? Well, these guys were this team was in every meeting in the world. ABC News, I saw them on CNN, Discover Magazine, Mail and Guardian. Time, I mean, this, every every media outlet in the world had these guys. Um, or it's Lee Berger on the on the program, and for two reasons. One is that he's promoting a new, he has a new book coming out next month titled Cave of Bones, Lee Berger. And there's a Netflix documentary that drops on July 17th. And it's called Unknown um, and Cave of Bones. Unknown Cave of Bones on Netflix. So pretty big. So they, they had the cart, cart before the horse. I'm not sure people can actually use that, that metaphor anymore, but really they had the cart before the horse. And, uh, and they're expecting that the peer-reviewed paper would go through and everybody, everybody would be happy and, you know, science said its thing. But I don't believe that the peer-reviewed paper would have picked up, you know, the, the real story anyway. So everybody, they can tune in to watch July 17th to watch Netflix documentary, Unknown Cave of Bones. And you will see a completely different story than I'm going to talk about today on this program. Because that is what AM Byte is all about. Okay. Well, there were some, some call it, sort of peer-reviewed um work on this and archaeologist flint dibble who's actually fairly famous he's become famous in the last seven eight months because he's he challenged um, graham hancock to debate on joe rogan and graham hancock couldn't get anybody else to do it um and so flint dibble said i want to do this he you know yelled and screamed on twitter and finally they said let's do this so so it's maybe october november and well flint had made he's got his own channel and i have no association with flint i I have nothing for him i have nothing against him i'm really neutral in this whole thing um well flint has his own channel on 
Archaeology with Flint Dibble on YouTube, and he did an analysis of this whole Naledi bury the dead thing. And he said that there's not the evidence there. There's no there there, which is ultimately how it came out with the peer-reviewed papers. But we're not going to talk about burial of the dead today. Um, there was other there's other research, or actually other um, rebuttals back when, and one was by some major. Um, Paleolithic archaeologists, what's called the conversation. And what these guys, they've created, their, their, they didn't create it, but there is a platform for people to just um, debunk, discuss, whatever, um, the literature, and they could pass it, it's passed around. It's quite an interesting type of thing. But I have no, I have no connection with any of these people who did this, because this is not what I do. I'm not a bone collector. Um, well, Rising Star Cave is is the so-called cradle of humankind in South Africa, and it's on the, the um, eastern side of South Africa, sort of northeast of South Africa, which is really down pretty far south anywhere. And when Berger, uh, Berger had been in this cave and his team since 2013, and one of the things that they, for, the first people that went in were cavers under his supervision, they took pictures. The cavers went in again, took pictures. Then his son went in and take pictures. Well, the second time, the second or the third time someone's in there, and they, the first time, the pictures didn't work. The second time, the pictures did work, and they noticed that they were broken bones. And this is a, this is a cave floor that has fossils all over it. And they, they ultimately found 30 um, specimens or so of, this, of, the, of Homo naledi, who was, who was not, he was like, they say almost human. And it's not human, and it's something lost in the past. It was has been the narrative for a long time. And what Berger said he, um, in interviews and is that someone had been in that chamber and stepped on some of this material, and I didn't know how recently. Well, that person had been in the chamber had to have been there after all this bones were fossilized. Okay, that's important. So Homo naledi didn't go in and, and step on their own bones and break them because the, the person. This the individual stepped on fossilized bones. So some somewhere between Homo naledi, which is 230 to 300,000 years ago in this cave, someone had been in there. And they thought, well, maybe some cavers had been in there. But there was no other, there was no other evidence that cavers, that there were no flat, you know, flags, there was no Coke bottles, there was no, you know, cigarette wrappers and um, gum wrappers. There's nothing in there. But somebody had been in that cave. And so we're going to seek to answer the question today. Who has been in that cave since 230,000 years ago, which is the last dating of Homo naledi in this chamber? Now, this Rising Star Cave Complex is um, it's actually pretty big. And it, drop, it drops down to the cave where you find these fossils um, and the engravings. It's about 30, 40 meters. And there's multiple kind of, you know, verticals and horizontal ways to get down there. And, uh, you know, people could die. And when they sought a team to study this, they reached out and they found, they actually asked for skinny people who <laughs> had archaeology, caving, um, rock climb experience, and ended up having a bunch of women because women tend to be smaller on average. Um, women, And then they found women who had been like an outward bound and all these sort of um, adventure Oops. programs. Sorry, continue. Pretty cool uh, stuff. And so this yeah. is a pretty major cave system. And this is part of it. The, 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 the cave systems in that area are all are mapped and people go down and study them and all that sort of stuff. And, or people just, you know, splunkers who just do caving stuff. Now, there are there, there are three panels uh, on in this Rise Star Cave. And they had been 
going by, they were in the cave since 2013, but they'd only found these 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 panels in the last year, meaning that they were walking by them or crawling by them for all those years. So they weren't obvious. They weren't obvious to them. And I'm not going to talk about one of the panels today because I haven't looked into it, but I'm going to talk about the the other two. One, one's called right, panel A and the one's called panel B. Okay. And we're really going to talk about panel, mostly panel A today. And um, and so it's kind of like a pillar on the side of the, both these are pillars on the side of the caverns where you have to kind of have to put your head around to see it. But they've been there and people have been in that space since 2013 and they just didn't see it. Now, the first thing that came to mind of these the paleoanthropologists is well they've they've seen something like this before because on this this rising star panel a it's a like a hashtag and as we would say in today's world but it's actually like three or four hashtags on top of each other which is something we had seen back in uh 2012 2013 at gorm's cave in gibraltar okay and which is a long way of course from um from South Africa, Gibraltar's on the southern tip of the Iberian Peninsula, not too far from the places that um, Miguel goes to visit. Um, well, the Gorham Cave etch etching is actually something that I've been studying, I mean, really studying since 2014. And um, I had an advantage over everybody else's, is that I um, I bought the, the cleaned off image from the photographer. Everybody else, including this homo, this homo and the lady South African team, were using a dirt-covered image. And so there's a clear difference. So if you, I mean, any new story will have this dirt-covered image. And, well, it's like, you know, you go into a store and there's ice over all the, over, over the ice cream. You can't see what the ice cream is. Okay? And it's the same, same thing with this, this image. And I've been studying this for years, and I've done many presentations and, um, all, all, you know, conferences and things like this that included this Gorham etching, this Gorham cave etching. Um, and what the Gorham etching, the original team that went to this cave, they were experts. They were experts on Neanderthals. And they believe that um, it was Neanderthal because they're experts. They found it, therefore it must be Neanderthal. And well, we can actually, we, it's a pretty cool image. You can scale it to, to two hands. That's the size of this Gorham etching. And it's actually the same size as the Homoletti hashtag on top of the hashtag on top of the hashtag type of thing. And they said it was, so I said that they said it was Neanderthals because they were experts in Neanderthal, but they also, they kind of fudged the numbers a little bit. Okay, I'm going to explain how that works. Is that this is a, this is a, a cave, this is a cave, and um, it's by the, it's in the Rock of Gibraltar. Okay, it's right, it's right at water level where we were in the last conversation with Miguel a few months ago, and it it runs about um, about a uh, twenty five meters from from the top where this engraving is down to the bottom, and they had figured out the stratigraphy based on artifacts and things like that, and there was no, nobody really argues about the stratigraphy. But what these guys did is they 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 said that the the um, the sediments went up on the side, up on this lip, or the deeper sediments 40,000 years ago, up on the side and went over on top of this platform where this engraving, because it's on a, on a platform. Whereas the sediments that were 35,000 years ago um, were on top of those. And it actually, and the re, so the reason why they were trying to push for this 40,000 years ago was 35,000 years ago, we have documented evidence of homo, homo sapiens, modern humans in, in Europe. And at that time, the dividing line 
between Homo sapiens and Neanderthals was about 40,000 years. So these guys could say, well, we had, we, in this cave system, we have had Neanderthal remains and we have this sediment layer that takes us up to 39,000 years, which is fudging it, but it doesn't, it doesn't, in the end, it doesn't really make any difference, but that's what they did. And they said Neanderthal cave art. Um, but there were, there were archaeologists, anthropologists who said bullshit. And one of them was Harold Dibble. Remember Flint Dibble, you know, a few minutes ago? Well, his uh, Harold Dibble um, was recently deceased. He said it takes more than a few scratches, deliberate or not, to identify symbolic behavior on the part of Neanderthals. He he did a he did like a the counter story in, in a nature piece. And so there are a lot of people who said BS. And uh, I was I was interested in this from the hashtag and other sorts of things. Well. That whole 39,000 years ago thing is totally moot because we're now at 54,000 years ago as modern humans in Europe. So you, nobody can say, well, you know, there weren't modern humans here. Therefore, at 39, because that story doesn't uh, work anymore. Of course, we're now at 54,000 years ago. And so now people, if you're going to call something Neanderthal, you better, you got to be above 54,000 years ago until somebody finds more um, evidence, you know, bone evidence that Homo sapiens were in Europe at that time. It'll be, it, it'll be older than that. It'll be pushed back. But that's basically how this, this narrative works in, in this cave, cave art dating. So what is the, the dating of these panels, panel A and panel B, in this Rising Star Cave in South Africa? Okay, so th what the, the authors of the study, Lee Berger, Augustine Fuentes, and, and John Hawkes, the primary authors, they said that it is the same context, it is the same as the fossils on the bottom of the cave. And they said nobody has been in the cave since um, then, except there is that question mark about those broken fossil bones. Who broke the bones? And what they did is they um, they looked at the the gore matching the hashtag and they 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 said it doesn't really overlap it can't be the same thing but they both they're both intentional symbology okay and by the way the score matching team um about 2018 2019 they were pressured by their peers who had seen my work to say this isn't this isn't this isn't neanderthals anymore um and unrelated to the dating and they said well it's Neanderthal human Homo sapiens hybrids, which is four percent of everybody in Europe today. So they actually backed off on that. And the people who did the studies, some you know major players, they said, "Well, we were just checking if it was made by humans, intentional humans versus by the weather, or the you know the, the waves and things like that." So they they backed off on that whole thing. So nobody believe nobody in that circle currently believes that's Neanderthal for a lot of reasons, including my work. But that the people in South Africa had never got the story because they're paleoanthropologists. Well, these people work on the cave art in the Iberian Peninsula. They're archaeologists and anthropologists. They're interested in the human culture, whereas the paleoanthropologists are interested in bones. That's what they do. They're bone people. Okay. Um, and there's a long way from the South Africa Gorham's Cave. In, and it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's 2,000 hours. 2,000 hours. And so you can say if you did 10 hours a day, you got 200 days. Now, is 200 days a very long time to travel? I don't think so. And the reason why Saharan Tuareg people, the blue people, we say, um, they migrate on foot over a thousand miles every year. So the distance, and this is going around the Sahara. So that really, for people who, who do a lot of walking, 
to go from Gibraltar to South Africa isn't that far. In our way of seeing the world, it is a really long way. Now, here's a kind of a sidetrack story. Is when I was writing, after I wrote my, my, my book uh, before uh, Biological Time, a woman contacted me from the UK. And I thought she was freaking crazy. I tell her. her name was, it was Fiona Campbell. And she asked me all these kind of questions. And uh, she started a school to teach people how to do everything I do. I talked about biological time, about having the rhythms of nature by the, um, how to time by the sun and the moon and, and all that sort of stuff. And she, uh, you know, people would go to her camp and they learn how to do this stuff. I thought she was freaking nuts. And then I actually looked her up. And well, Fiona Cam Campbell was a long, this is Walker. She was the first person, a woman, to walk around the world. Um, of course, I had to be a few, few you know, boat rides in between there, but she had walked across all the continents. So this is this is something people have done. People something still do. People still walk those different distances. Now, when I looked at this rising star cable uh, cave, the panel A, right away a, a bear jumped out at me. Okay, and it was a standing bear, and it's looking to like the viewer's right, and um, it, you can see it from the kind of the the the, the breasts up. Um, and it's it's in profile. It's clearly a bear. I mean, it's not. Uh, can't. And then on the I saw quickly, you know, like minutes later, I saw another bear, and it's a, it's a big bear head in profile. And it's like the most awesome bear, picture of a, image of a bear I've ever seen. It's like it is so so cool. Um, and so these are the, the authors of the those pre peer peer reviewed peer pre peer reviewed and the peer reviewed papers. I believe is the same paper. Um, they didn't look at this because they didn't look deeply into these images because they were interested in proving it was Homo naledi. There was no there was no previous work of art for Homo naledi, so there's nothing to reference against it. So they never looked. They absolutely never looked, and and that's just people people kind of um, they had a hypothesis they wanted to prove, and that came, you know, they were they were leaning in the direction they jumped into it, and that is what these peer reviewed papers came out and said. You guys got to look at the null hypothesis. So yeah, there's there's bears on these things, and there's also bears on the Gorham etching up in Gibraltar. In fact, there's a whole series of bears. I don't think we ever did it on this program, but you got a you got a mama bear, and she got some cubs between her legs, and then it turns, and you see these yearling bears, uh, much larger heads, and then it turns again, and then you see a mother bear with her her, her claws around a juvenile. And it's really what we're looking at is we're looking at the the bears going through the seasons. This is actually Ursa Major, but that's another another program for another day that we can do. Okay. And there's another cave that we bring into the story here that we've talked about a lot in this program. It's the Gallery of Dis at El Castillo Cave in Cantabria, Spain, which is in the north of Spain. Um, it's a, you know as, as far north as you can get in Spain. And in the on the gallery of discs, you also have this mother bear and her cubs, really cool. And she, the mother bear is looking up the cubs climb, climbing. Because how ba in bear psychology, at some point, the, the, the cubs need to move on. And so throughout the life of the cubs, the mother teaches them you climb a bear, climb the tree for safety. And at some point, she says to them, um, she scares up the tree and she runs away. And it's just that is how bears work. So when we talk about protective mother bears, yeah, sort of. Okay. Well, on this panel A uh, in the um, in the Homo Naledi cave, this rising star, rising star cave or cave of bones, there's two elephants and a really, really cool. And these guys missed it as well. And there's a much larger elephant, presumably the mother and, and a juvenile, you know, you know, about a quarter, uh, maybe a fourth of the size uh, sh shorter from the head. Awesome image. And they're not kind of nuzzled up together, that sort of stuff. 
And we've remember we've been to the gallery just in the past on this program. We talked about the African elephants, and the we have this this elephant. When you turn her head, you turn your head to the left. You see that it's drinking. You turn your head to the right. It's got the ear. It's got the ear and the trunk raised. So again, we have elephants again. And on the gallery, on so on the Gorm etching, we have elephants as well. And we have a series of elephants with a juvenile and two adults. And how the how the artist created the, these images is they 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 followed the etched lines in the so-called hashtag, but they also um, separated them by coloration. So they had some way of putting coloration down on this. And the only way you can figure these three out is first you have to find the darker juvenile, and then you 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 draw it out, and they say, oh, there's another one, and then there's another one. So you can actually pull off three elephants um, with their heads. Now, these elephants are interesting because they have flat heads, so that they are not straight tusked elephants from Europe. These are African elephants. That's really important. And on this, we go back to the, the home in the Lady Cave in South Africa, um, Cave of Bones. We find giraffes. And when I first looked at the giraffe image, I was like, what the heck? I wasn't really sure how it worked. And what we have is we have a mother giraffe laying on her side and her um, her juvenile, possibly a newborn. I mean, this just could be like, you know, you know, mazel top, right? You know, um, it's a birth. And um, we have this juvenile kind of leaning against her head. And so they're, they're sleeping together, bedded down. Awesome, like absolutely awesome image. And we can see the we can see the the, um, the horns for the juvenile and we can see horns and ears for the mother and uh, some bit of the neck for for the mother. Incredible image. And on panel B in this Rise Star Cave, which we haven't touched on yet before, is that we find a giraffe with her head up. And she's like she's drinking or something. And this this image has a lot of dirt on it. And so this particular giraffe head or neck to head is pretty clear. And there's some other images, potentially are giraffes as well, just below her, but we can't see them because they're they're a little dirty. And these guys, um, they've seen everything that we're talking about today, the authors, and they I was listening to an interview yesterday or two days ago that one of the authors did, and they have they have National Geographic going down there to take more pictures. <laughs> of course they are, okay, because they know the story. Now, and we've talked about the gallery of discs in the past, today, and there's giraffes as a juvenile with her neck goes around the mother. Um, and so it's the same scene of the, the mother and the juvenile giraffe, and it's and the, the mother's protecting the her, her young. And on the Gorham etching in Gibraltar, we have the same scene as well. We have a, a larger and a smaller giraffe, and... Um, and the etching, these hashtag etchings create the, partially create the necks and the, the artists use coloration as well. And how, how they got all these colors on this thing is completely unknown because no, after they, they decided it was, they, they, they decided it was Neanderthal. They took a quick, few quick pictures, they covered it up and nobody has ever studied this thing again, except me. I'm the, I'm literally the only one in the world who has studied this thing. And, um, and so, which is creating a bit of a problem now because these people down South Africa were relying on the study of the Gibraltar Gorm etching, which is not what it is. Well, there's other characters on these panels, and um, one of them for this this Homo Naledi cave is a a whale in one direction and a shark in the other. So the moon dog, and the moon dog and Miguel. Have we ever seen anything like this before? Mm, 
Or maybe when I did acid in high school. Yeah. No, Dick, get Moondog, you're up there. What are you? So the same animal. Uh, I don't remember that figure. I don't remember no, no, that something figure. Similar. So we have two marine animals going this opposite directions, but they overlap with each other. And the, the, oh, you're talking about the uh, the Pisces fishes. Absolutely. So, so we're gonna. I gotta hang on a second. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Yes. And so that's what, it's, that's what we're looking at here. And we can see that. We know that because in the last episode we did, we had the humpback whale, the breaching humpback whale, that overlapped with the bottlenose dolphin that became Pisces in the night sky. And so that the artist, artist slash navigator, was taking the dolphin south on his journey in, through the night sky in the Paradoia and was taking the whale north. And so we have the same image, except it's a, in the Homonoleti cave, except it's a, it's a shark in one direction and a whale in the other. And on the on the score etching up in Gibraltar, we have a it's called it's a flying fish, and in one direction we have a whale in the other. And the flying fish, if I've you've you, you've seen them if you've gone to Hawaii, and you go out like a you know a party boat or something, and you they like they just they fly and they land on the deck and they get stuck there. Um, that's the only place I've ever seen them, but they're really cool. And so these got the whole point of the, all three all these these fish, except the shark, is that they don't jump out very high out of the water. They all jump out of the water except for the for the shark. So you can see them above the surface or below the surface. And on this panel A in the Rising Star Cave, a cave of bones, we find a bird popping out of a an egg, which is really cool because it tells us that this is a springtime scene in that part of the world. So the, the artist is, is time factoring it. And we find another on the further up on that panel, um, we find a standing bird, which I don't know what it is, and I didn't know what the one popping out of the egg is either. But if somebody out there in a podcast line ever, you know, is pretty good in the Audubon world, let me know. So I want to know. And um, I can't figure it out, but it's definitely standing. I don't know if it's the other one that's popping out of an edge, an egg. But in the gallery, just that we have a, a juvenile eagle, fledgling eagle, that stands on the shoulder of the teacher. And um, he, he, he becomes the teacher sort of type of thing. And the teacher speaks in the ear of the apprentice. So that's, again, the time factoring. And that one we know we can determine as a mid-June time period based on the, the life history or stage of the, the eagle. And also on the gallery, this is an ostrich. And I don't think, yeah, I think we talked about the ostrich like maybe two years ago. But there's an ostrich, so standing bird. And we go back to the Rising Star Cave in Cave of Bones in South Africa. We have a, um, a horse. Um, it's an equine. It's a, it's a presumably a female. And what I there is a second horse on this one. And the second horse comes. There's a very narrow muzzle that slips in just under her ear, the the, the right ear of the horse, and it, and it comes across her face. And so what we have is we have a, the mare and her foal, her foal, and one is overlapping the other. And there's actually you can on the pit image you can actually see there's two backs for the horses. And if you go on my webpage, you, you'll um, eventually draw out the second horse, the the juvenile, the 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 the, the, the foal. But um, so again, we have this 
this relationship between two animals. And in Europe, the most commonly depicted animal on a prolific cave art is a horse, and most commonly a female. So this falls into that. Now, I don't know if, if there were any horses, per se, in South Africa during this time period, but there were zebra. This doesn't look like a zebra. Um, and it's interesting. But we, on the gallery of discs, we talked the last session about the horse, the speckled mare. Um, really cool image. And we said it came out of the Paradoia. And at Gorm's Cave in Gibraltar, is um, we also have this mare who pops out of, uh, you, she, she's within the hashtag lines, three lines form her back and her belly, and um, two other features come out for her leg, four legs and her head. And we, her, her mouth is open. She's just not happy. She's got her head turned. Um, and I'm not sure if we ever talked about in this program, but that go, that Gorham etching is based on Paradoia at a, at a mountain called Mulhassen, which is probably about maybe 30, 40 miles away from, from Gibraltar. And it's it's the same hashtag. It's the same parad. There's another paradoia. There's a paradoia horse in the mountain that the uh, we can again find on this this Gorham etching. And Mohassen is the highest tallest mountain on the Iberian Peninsula. Um, and so it's really cool that there's we find this relationship between the paradoia in the mountains and the cave art, just as we found last session for the, the gallery of discs. And we looked at the rock of Gibraltar and how they found the paradoidal, the animals within that. So there's, um, there's relationships. And we should find the same thing in, in the Rising Star Cave in South Africa, this cave of bones. And I actually have it, to be honest with you, but I don't have the, I don't have the images to pull it off in a presentation yet. I'm searching for the right, the right images. Now, there's something very interesting between this, the, the Gorm, cave etching in Gibraltar and this rising star cave panel A that the authors of the three papers, both the pre-period period and the period papers, didn't recognize because they didn't recognize any of the characters. If they recognized the characters in this, they would have seen that you've got the you've got the head of the the um the horse, the mare, on one end of the panel, and on the other end you have the going left to right, you have the the head the heads of the the elephants and the trunks going down, and below the heads of the elephants, trunks going down. You have the the giraffes, um, the, the heads of the giraffes, and and the next of the giraffes go through these sort of this narrow hashtag lines, and then the there's a bear. Um, this the mother bear. The profile of the mother bear is just below them, although it's upside down relative to each other, and that's important. We'll have to talk about that in another podcast because it's a it's, a, it's an animal we have to wrap our heads around. And then we find both the, the, um, the, we find the, the whale and the other marine animal, whether it be a shark or it be a flying fish, we find them in the exact same positions relative to each other within the same hashtag lines on both panels. So this is like statistically, it's impossible that this happened by force of nature or in Bernie's imagination because it just... It's just impossible um, that all these characters are in the same order. So then the question be asked, this is this is the, the, the question of humanity itself. Berger said in, in an interview, someone had been in that chamber and stepped on some of this material, and I didn't know how recently. So was it 36,000 years ago at the same time as the Gorometrian? Because we have exactly the same art. 
It is exactly the same. It's the same characters in the same order and the same orientations and the same hashtags. And it also overlaps character-wise with the, the gallery disc. The gallery disc is a, is a rectangle where these other two panels are squares. And so it's, the arrangement is slightly different as we look at it. So the question going back is, well, you know, this is how far is Gibraltar from the Rising Star Cave in South Africa? Well, it's 2,000-hour walk in present times. Is that that far to travel? And the answer is, well, the Tuareg do, you know, pretty much half that distance every year. <laughs> so it isn't that far to travel. And Fiona Campbell walked around all, all the continents on the wor world, and yeah. she did most of those by herself. So it isn't that far. But it changes this. It, it asks this question of who are we? Did we <laughs> emerge as modern humans with art in um, in Europe, or did we emerge in South South Africa as modern humans? Well, it's been a big question. But something else happened about in two, about um twenty about twenty twenty. 2021, there was cave art found in Indonesia, in Swaziland, that dated to 45,000 years ago. So we've just added a new element to this. So rough, in the same time period as um, European cave art, we have, um, we have it in Indonesia. So where did that come from? So people have said, well, maybe they came from Africa. And they from Africa going, going east towards Indonesia and north towards Europe. And that's how you can explain all this sort of stuff. Well, could that origin point be in South Africa? So did, is, is that where art and humanity mythology as we know it emerged from? I mean, that's quite the story. And so if you look, we, we think about, you know, in your heads, think of a world map of where Indonesia is, which is just north of Austra Australia, um, South Africa, way across the Indian Ocean, and Iberian Peninsula, Gibraltar, is way above Africa. Any way you look at that, it is a long freaking way. <laughs> it's a long way, but the time periods overlap. Hmm. And so, we, and we can look at the you know, the gallery. Of, I'm sorry, the Gorham etching. We can the, the Homo Naledi panel, Cave of Bones. They're exactly the same. These people, they could have known each other. That's how exactly. They, they might have been the same person. It's possible. But these people either knew each other, they were cousins, they were within a generation apart or something. Because it's exactly the same information scaled in the, in the same way. It's impossible that these people are distant. And then we drop in this Indonesia story from 2021. And we're like, whoa. Now, where have we been coming and going from 36,000 and older years ago? Were there trade routes? Well, I'd say darn right there were. And there were people, these people knew each other. They traveled around, they bit their cousins and their relatives and their distant uncles and all that sort of stuff. This is a story that of we are a, we have we have been a world people for at least you know, Eurasia, Europe, for a, and you know Australia regions. Um, we have been a world people for a long, long, long time. And we've been sharing information back and forth. And so we talked about the, the giraffes on both the El Castillo Cave, the Gibraltar, the, 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 the Gorms Cave, Gibraltar, 
and the South African Cape. So years ago, back in 2014, um, I identified the giraffe on the Garib discs. And I was working with uh, a wildlife biologist named George Schaller. And George Schaller was the mentor of Jane Goodall. So you can kind of put like, you know, relative scale, right? right. And I met George when I lived in China in my, my mid-20s. He didn't remember me. I remembered him. I reached out to him and he, he helped me out. And what George said, when we saw when he saw the, the Garavidis giraffe, he said, that's a Maasai giraffe. And I, he actually he actually emailed it to me. So that's a Maasai giraffe. And I, 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 I was like not ready to go there. I was good with giraffes because this giraffe's <laughs> now here in Morocco and now and they're in North Africa. And I was I was just fine with giraffes being, you know, a few hundred miles away from this rock art, cave art. But I wasn't ready for Maasai giraffes in South Africa to show up in European upper oh, wow. Totally blew my mind. So when I saw the giraffe on this on this panel, the first thing I thought about was George was right. And um, it was just like, uh, it just blew my mind. And I'm going to tell you, so that we, we, we went back and forth. Did Maasai giraffes, did they migrate north into the Sahara where, you know, and, and uh, that was feasible. Perfect. Yeah. But that's not the story. The cave artists in South Africa had seen Maasai giraffes. The cave artists in Europe and in Iberian Peninsula, both at El Castillo Cave and Gibraltar, had seen Maasai giraffes. Absolutely, absolutely amazing story. And so, going back to the the blue the blue people of the Sahara, they migrate over a thousand miles each year on foot, which puts this into perspective. And my my friend Fiona Campbell, who walked around the world and wrote book about based on my book, Biology Carrying, how people can um, li live in the wild. So how did people miss this? And this is a really important concept. So Bernie doesn't stream this stuff up. <laughs> um, Bernie doesn't see things that other people don't, don't see. And well, there's other people that see this stuff too. And there's a test for this. And the test is called embed embedded figures test. And in embedded figures test, you have like you you've seen you actually seen these things in a non psychological way. In the old days, you went to the diner. One side this math problems, the other side you got to find the animals in the forest, right? Um, well, if you're good at math, you stick to one side, right? And the other side, if you're good at pictures, you just go to the other. And uh, I'm not going to ask you guys which ones you do, which ones you did. Well, that's effectively an embedded figures test, except it's a little more. They're geometric figures, and they time you how quickly you can do them. And a long time ago, uh, there was at the University of Oregon. They were testing people for something, and someone's a friend said, "You should go test it." Just you know, they need volunteers. So I went down to University of Oregon. They tested me, and I remember doing in better figures tests. And the woman, you know, the grad student across the table, timed, and uh, she she timed me twice, and then she, then she left the room, and she brought in a whole bunch of other people, and she did it again. This is a slightly different test with geometric figures. And they all looked over and then they had me do these other tests and they all watched me do the test. They never told me what they found because it was like a, you know, a blind test. Right. And uh, so the other one of the other tests they actually asked me to do was I played like Space Invaders computer game. And they wanted to see how fast I did it because they believe that picture picture thinking could was also tied not just in better figures test you can find these characters very quickly but you also have fast eye hand coordination and um but i you know my i never became a gamer like a real life gamer and it didn't work out but they, other, they asked other questions questions as well we'll talk about it in another episode but and these we have these images out there there's a 
there's one out on the internet. There's an elephant with a trunk and um, and there's the and there's other animals that are easily identifiable. And most people get the elephant, but they don't get like the, the trunk is actually wow. a dolphin and that uh, between the legs of the crocodile and the, the they get the this um there's their uh, donkey within under the body of the elephant, but they don't get the there's a dog under there and a cat and but, but these are images, these are tests that we do all the time in our world. They're embedded figures tests. And if you're not good at that stuff, well you go do the math problems because they're different, they're different skill sets. And this is there's a Canadian artist, uh, Bev Doolittle, and she does these images of animals that overlap each other in different similar colored environments to the animals. And she had this one called Pintos, if people can see it out there. You type in Pintos, Bev Doodle, Doolittle. And there's a, you can see all these horses that overlap with each other. And the horses, you got to count the horses. And it's pretty tricky to do because uh, they blend in with the red, or the, the brown, brownish red, and they blend in with the, the white snow. Really cool image. And she does, she does other ones of the woodlands. And you got to figure out how many Native Americans are in the picture and what else is there. Um, and so people can um, call Woodland Encounter, Google it, Bev Doodle, really cool stuff. And you can kind of see a perspective of and bring your kids in, bring your spouse, your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. And you're asking what they see. And you'll see that people see pick up things more quickly than others. And it doesn't mean anybody's smarter or dumber than the other. It, it's, it's a different way of seeing the world. In this case, it's about seeing the trees through the forest. You know, people always say, well, you got to see the forest through the trees, right? No, 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 no. In this case, you've got to see the trees through the forest. And what these, these paleoanthropologists, these bone guys in South Africa were doing, and no offense to bone guys, um, is they were not seeing the, the trees through the forest. They were dead set on Homo Naledi being who made this art. And it was obviously human made oh actually it was made by hands of somebody with a tool because based on the, the characters and they said okay we're good this is homo naledi we have the contextual ev evidence from these fossils and we're going to go to free peer review peer review book deal cave of bones netflix unknown cave of bones and we're going to just rip through this well if i was if I was running the show, which I never would be because I'm not like those political types who can do that, is I would be recruiting not just skinny people who can who who are mount climbers and cavers, anthropologists, but I would be recruiting people who are neurodiverse. Okay, we've heard about all kinds of diversity the last few years, and you got to have this percent in that industry <laughs> and this percent. I mean, neurodiversity is like. I'm so diversity is all over there. What people always forget is that there's another kind of diversity. It's called neurodiversity, and that's how people that's how people interpret information. Okay, so major picture thinkers in today's world, and like in, like say in recent times, was Walt Disney. Walt Dis Disney would would an ACE and EFT test. Spielberg would do it as well, because they're visual people. They see the picture before they take it. They see all the details of the picture before they take it. And that has to do with the way your, your brain, our brains are wired. There's a spectrum. And some people are, you know, are just good at, at this than others. So I did a blog. I actually did the first episode part of a three-part blog. And it's on my, my page before Ryan.com. People could see all, all the images. And the first one is titled Rising Star Cave Engravings, The Underworld. Because we went to the underworld in this program today. And the next two to follow are um, the terrestrial plane, which is very similar to what we talked about in the last episode. And the, the sky world, 
which is again ties into that last world. And so what I'm going to do in these these next through next two blogs, and maybe Miguel will even invite me back on to do you know another show and tell, is that I'm going to walk through exactly what we did in the last episode of AM Byte. We walk through the paradoia of the Rock of Gibraltar and how these animals and images all tie together. Not just on this Rising Star Cave, but I'm going to bring in the Gower of Disc and bring in the Gordon Etching as well. We're going to show that these are, in fact, the same people. Um, and these people, they not just drew the same animals in the same order on their panels, but their sources were, in fact, the same. Their paradoia, paradoia geological sources were, in fact, the same. And um, that's pretty... Uh, that is a. Uh... That's pretty so mind blowing. So, okay, so Graham. Wait, hold on. Before we do this, let everybody uh, take a little break, just breathe in, and then we'll. Yeah, I want to get Graham here. Uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I wonder. So, in those days, like with Uber, you'd have to get on somebody's back and they'd take you to South <laughs> Africa. That's how it worked. But, but I wanted to no, do they a, just, they, Go ahead. They didn't need as many Fritos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were actually in shape. But yeah, little uh, yeah, house cleaning, um, housekeeping, whatever you want to call it. But uh, for those of you who might be interested, yes, uh, because of demand, the uh, Astronosis 2 Meet the Archons conference is now available for download. Uh, it's uh, mind-blowing, again, with uh, more than 12 hours with some of the greatest experts and scholars in Gnosticism discussing archons and everything else. You can get it, uh, you can stream it through video, you can get it through audio, and uh, yeah, I, the feedback has been incredible both on the the conference and also the presentations that are now available. I will, unless there is some great sponsor, you, I will never make these public. And if you uh, get these and downloads, the, the funds will be going to support next year's conference. So we are already planning Astronosis 3. I am making these available if you want to uh, purchase them. And uh, you'll have an amazing experience, especially when it comes to the Archons, extraterrestrials, astrotheology, uh, and uh, incredible guests from Chris Knowles, April DeConnick, Richard Smoley, Mitch Horowitz. I did a presentation, Stephen Snyder, James True, Sarah Elkady, and our discussion panel. So, again, you can now stream the audio or video for Astronosis. I'll have it on the show notes or just message me. Now available, uh, other than that, yeah, other than that, blah, 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 blah. We got some great shows coming. Next week, we will have a show on Artemis, the goddess Artemis. She is some amazing things have been hitting me about Artemis, which I'll share next week. And I feel this very dangerous goddess needs to be addressed finally on Aeon Bite from a different standpoint. So you'll love it. So I think that's it. Yeah, please support. Uh, appreciate to the super chats we've had so far. Chester, thank you. James, thank you. Uh, Chris, thank you uh, for the support. Yeah, it helps uh, keep the light of the Pleroma going. Please support. Even if it's just like, sharing, subscribe, whatever you can do really, really helps. Uh, and we appreciate your help. So... I think that's it for a housekeeping. Graham, what do you, what do you think? 
I was going to say, this is some good stuff from Bernie here. I'm just still processing oh. and trying to put <laughs> it into context, you know. Well, welcome to the Bernie's here. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's one of those where it sounds like what you're saying is that it was the um, Homo sapiens, you know, from the uh, Orignacian culture, you know, roughly, you know, 35,000 or so years ago. That, that carved the cave in South Africa as well as the cave in Spain. Is that is yes. that right? Okay. Absolutely. Okay. I was going to say that doesn't rule out um, Homo uh, Naledi for the early artistry because if I remember right, another finding that they had was in a seaside cave they found like shells that had been using to mix and store like ochre dyes. And it was almost like a little art studio that was dating from about the time of Homo Naledi. And yeah, uh, that one is actually like 80 to 90,000 years ago. So that we're, we're in Homo sapien territory at that time. Um, yeah. They're saying Homo Naledi is 230 to, to 330,000 years ago. Yeah, it's in, and that is yes, it's in South Africa. So people were mixing pigments and shells, and there's re there's there's definite markings on rocks. Without it, and I would I have a theory about that hypothesis about that too, but yeah, that would that wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been Homo Lady. That was good old Homo sapiens. And there you have it, yes, spiritual entrepreneurs. Bernie deals with more Jungian slash astrotheological ideas and a controversy on how archaeologists have been stealing his ideas in our second part and much more. Please support this Red Pill Cafeteria for the second part of Bernie's interview or if you find any value in the content. There are many ways to sub and many ways to support and one will fit your needs or budget. If you need any help with any of the choices, just let me know. The alternative solution of the Gnostics is more critical than ever in this Philip K. Dick world in Gnostic times. But this is our time to shine like crazy diamonds. We high priests and priestesses of Hermes, the god of thieves, and Sophia, the goddess of smugglers. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye, as always.